0: Hey everybody, welcome back Oh, nice to say that Tim Ryder, Taryn Sharma Simply Amazing Podcast Oh, a little hiatus I guess, between life And uh, and I guess burnout From doing this stuff Burnout from the Mets Nice to take a break, Taryn What's up buddy, welcome back to the party What's going on?
1: Yeah, dude, the hope Is back, so, you know It's, uh, it's good, we can Talk about things with a fresh start, be able to look forward and uh, and a lot to be excited about what's to come.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, well, it's been a while. So to do a very, very brief rundown, uh, the Mets have a president of baseball operations and David Stearns. They've been chasing him for a couple of years now. They finally got their man uh, just on a in a greater sense. The Mets finally got a president of baseball operations. And they've been chasing that down for quite some time. Um I think that's going to have real ripple effects throughout the organization as far as stability, as far as one, you know, unified goal. Um, What are your thoughts on what this means for moving the organization forward as far as not beyond just, you know, the Cohen's um, involvement and the influx of capital?
1: Yeah, I I mean, this is... uh you know the Mets kind of have their guys now. Um, this is something that that they were hoping to do the entire time that Cohen has owned the the team, and so they have a uh, a president of baseball operations, which is something that they wanted, um, and it's somebody that comes highly regarded. But I'm also incredibly interested with what's going on in the business side. You know, this uh, as much as Cohen is funding this entire endeavor. At a certain point, it does need to make money. And so a lot of the redevelopment that they proposed to do around the ballpark is something that I think a lot of us fans would like to see is not have chop shops, but be able to spend time around the ballpark and have it be a real destination. Uh, I think that that's going to come back to the Mets in, in a big way. So, um, I'm excited. And they hired a a president of business operations. So, so Cohen doesn't necessarily have to be the one handling all of these things. And so I I think that the Mets are in a great spot, you know, the, the optimistic podcast as always is optimistic.
0: (laughs) Well, I think you put it really well. The hope is back. And and this, you know, this comes around every winter, but I guess, especially since the Cohens bought the team, you know, there's just a different, vibe to all of this it's not oh god what could possibly go wrong it's it's genuine hope and and almost a a belief that yeah things are gonna get better and did they step on a few rakes last year sure yeah and and you know i don't think anyone's moves are going to be infallible whether you're running the mets the yankees the dodgers the cardinals it doesn't matter there's always going to be missteps And, and last year the mets made an honest push and made some missteps, but I think, you know, between all the trades and recouping expenses and setting themselves up for the future in the, um, you know, the are in the Verlander trades, however you want to lean into all those things, you know, they are, I don't want to say in a more competitive spot, because that's tough to say, especially in this division, but they're in a really, really decent spot to skip over a, What 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 could have been in the past for this organization under previous ownership, what could have been a a prolonged stretch of infutility? I think that, you know, the fact that they got out of their most of their financial commitments scot-free last year, the mistakes they made, they, you know, organizationally have wiped the slate clean and are looking forward on a full wide scope, just looking ahead. Again, I think it's all just a brand new paint job for this organization. And I think the fan base kind of we're reacting well to it. Um, There's always going to be that, uh, you know, antsiness on social media. Everyone's waiting for the next foot to drop waiting for moves to come, but you know, especially considering what this team did last year um, as far as, missteps and maybe misspending money and leaving holes on the roster. And you know, we're not going to look back and go over cracked eggs. We're just going to eat that omelet and keep it moving. But it's what they're, I guess where they are now, I just feel they're in a much better place. And that, that hope and that belief that things are turning around, it's, it's, you know, from a fan's perspective, it's palpable.
1: Yeah. And I don't think that they were mistakes at the time. Those contracts, uh, it just, they, you know, they didn't turn out the way that you hope. Uh, all of this is just projections, right? These are human beings, and they've got to go out there and perform. And if you're not going to end up getting that performance, then, yeah, the it's going to be a real drag on the roster. This team, despite Cohen uh, funding it the way that he has, it doesn't have infinite money. There's, there's caps on resources that – that the Mets have to abide by as well. And so if you have Starling Marte making a significant amount of money and he's not going to uh, be performing at the level they did last year pre-injury, that's going to make it really tough to compete, especially when for years, really, the Mets did not do a great job developing their farm. Um, and now I think that there's been a redoubling of efforts to to do that I think that there's going to be a big push in player development which is huge but cutting bait with Scherzer and with Verlander uh even Mark Canna, that is emblematic I think of Cohen's uh the way that he ended up making all of this money oh, um yeah.
0: no at the right time
1: yeah uh and and you make decisions constantly based on new information. And so you got new information. These, these, you know, I don't love it when um, people refer to the athletes as assets, but in a way they are assets to the organization. So thinking of them that way, when the assets are underperforming, they made a decision to get out from under these distressed assets. And that's the way that Cohen made all of this money to begin with. And, uh, and I think that that's the way that they, got out from under uh, these contracts, these decisions based on the new information. And I think Epler deserves a ton of credit. Um, Obviously he was armed with a a war chest to be able to pay down these contracts and buy better prospects, but um, identifying those players who seem to be pretty solid based on uh, what they've gotten so far. I know um, uh, Justin Jackson was left uh, on Unprotected with uh Rule Five, so maybe he won't be in the organization. But the the remaining
0: pieces in the end, you might lose Dominic Leone. I mean, keeping Jackson would have been great, but if he does it doesn't work out, I mean, all you lost was Dominic Leone. So I guess it's not so bad,
1: right? Um, and and so I think that they they did what they had to do, and now you get this breath of fresh air, somebody who who like Cohen, um, grew up. I'm a diehard Mets fan is passionate about it and went out and became successful elsewhere. And and now is deciding to use those resources to try to chase a championship for their childhood team. And so I think that that's one thing that's really exciting about Stearns is that he's like us. Uh, And, and I think it's also emblematic of the difference uh, or how far the organization has come in that Omar Menaya really banged the table to get uh, Stearns a full-time offer uh, and the Wilpons did not abide. So he, he left after his internship. And so this is somebody that you could have had in the organization all along. Instead, he's back. And, uh, and now uh, we'll see how he gets to work because, His teams in Milwaukee, they were competitive, uh, but as everyone knows, kind of hamstrung financially. um, And and so seeing how he will be smart with this new budget, I think everyone thinks of like the Andrew Friedman uh, kind of uh, blueprint. And and that's what I'm hoping to see as well.
0: Yeah, and I think you kind of hit it on the head in the sense that you know everything kind of happens for a reason and you know at the time if if Stearns would have been welcomed into the organization after his internship so many years ago um you almost feel like his talents would have been wasted because not wasted I think you know the cream still have rose to the top it just he wouldn't have been on the trajectory that he's on he wouldn't have landed in the situation he's landing in now where this is like you said it's almost that ideal situation where he made his bones building c- competitive ball clubs with limited resources now he's going into a situation with not unlimited resources but like you said earlier a nice healthy war chest of uh, of not just capital but staff and and resources information and and, and analytically you know, sensed um, resources that, you know, coming into this situation, I think it's almost a perfect storm. The Mets are in a spot where, yes, they are, I think, Ken Rosenthal with um, foul territory on Tuesday had a a little video and a report come out. I don't know if it was foul territory or the the athletic, but it came from Ken Rosenthal. Um, You know, the Mets are are a little, um, they're in the red. You know, they're paying a bunch of luxury tax this season um, after what they went through last year. And and I'm with you 100% on on Epler. Um, You know, I think in time, especially if some of these young prospects work out, um, striking while the iron was hot and whether it was with the green light from Cohen to go ahead and eat some money or whether it was Epler really going and, and doing probably some of the best GM work he's ever done in any... Position he's had. Um, you know, it, it, it put the Mets in a, in a really, really nice spot. Now, you know, moving forward, you have Stearns, who's clearly, you know, motivated and very well supported. You now have his staff filling out. Uh, as you said, I, I don't have the gentleman's name in front of me, but the business operations side, uh, former Bloomberg CEO, um, Again, a lot going on organizationally off the field, Queens Baseball Club, whatever, whatever they what's whatever the uh, legal name is. Um, they've already wiped out all of the auto body shops uh just to the other side of Roosevelt. Um, oh, excuse me. 126th. Um, that's all going to be new developments. They have the soccer plans. If you, you know, I believe that they've already released some sketches of, of ideas and what they're going to do there. Of course, Cohen's really pushing for a casino on site, which there's going to be people in favor, people against it. Not a conversation today, but working on a guess that we can have that conversation one day, mm-hmm. uh, one day soon, I think. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot going on with the Mets right now. And, you know, I think, for brevity's sake, we'll keep it focused on the field for today. Um, And even more specifically, I think we're going to focus on one area of the roster that really needs to be tackled this offseason. But, you know, overall, between Stearns coming in and the business side getting built up and, you know, player development continuing to build and build and kind of pivot and grow, and, you know, Mendoza is in now. John Gibbons is your bench coach. So you have a new school and an old school kind of flavor running that clubhouse. Again, everything's kind of fallen into place. Um, the hot stove has started slow, but there's that doesn't mean there's not plenty of options out there from the high end down to just filling spots. Um, I think we're going to stick on starting pitching for today. I mean – where do we begin? <laughs> There's yeah. I mean, if, let's talk if, about the guys that are off the market now. Yes, that's that's a, a very good place to start because that sets um that sets the rest of the dominoes up to fall.
1: Yeah. So I, I think the, the two biggest signings probably at this point are Sonny Gray, who just agreed to a deal with uh, uh St. Louis Cardinals three years and seventy five million dollars, I believe. Um, I got to see Sonny pitch quite a bit this year in Minnesota, and um, he's a dog. He's somebody that really wants the ball. Um, Is he going to end up giving you uh, $25 million worth of production every year? Maybe not. Last year was really great, but um, I think he gave up like one home run basically the – A lot of the year and then um, got tagged with multiple home runs in the uh, in the divisional series and a really important game um, here uh, against the Astros, who are a great team, obviously. So um, that's one name that is off the board. Do you do you like that contract for Sonny Gray? Is that something that you were hoping that the Mets were going to pursue?
0: I, I didn't actually I couldn't foresee him coming here and I don't necessarily buy into the Sonny Gray's not cut out for New York thing. I think that's a conversation that or, or at least a, a discussion that was held privately between him and his camp. Um, I don't buy into the oh, well, he, yeah, he stunk for the Yankees when he was at the Yankees. One, I, I was I don't want to say heavily invested, but I was rooting for Sonny Gray when he came to New York. I'm a Sonny Gray fan. When he came on the scene with Oakland, it was like, wow, this kid's got, like you said before, he's a dog, man. He's got that bulldog in him. And, and it showed. He, I think he went up against Verlander in a ALDS series, and he was just awesome. But anyway, um, when he came to the Yankees, they tried to mess with his pitch selection. They tried to mess with his repertoire. They wanted to change his slider. And and I guess it was just in like the very primitive stages of, of of pitch shape and pitch design. And they, they, Oh, we're going to move you to, I think they, I want to say they went from like a, a sinking two seamer type deal to a strict slider. And it messed them all up. And, and, you know, maybe, coming to New York was an issue for him, but yeah, I, I never really saw him in the Mets connected. That being said, I'm a big Sonny Gray fan. Everything you said about him, I agree hundred percent. He's going to give you innings. He's going to give you leadership. He, he's, he's going to go out there and he's going to, he wants outs. He wants outs as bad as anybody on the diamond. And and, and that's just a guy that you kind of have to tip your cap to. Um, and he looks genuinely happy to go to St. Louis. I saw his little, I, I don't know if this was a full quote or just caught on video when he was getting ready for his presser, but he looked at his Cardinals number 54 Jersey. And he kind of said to himself, he's like, check it out. It's Bob Gibson, but mirror like mirrored. Oh, man, I thought that was cool. so cool. Like, you know, it's the history behind any, you know, just major league baseball. You're in a very, very exclusive club, but you know you're looking at that at a St. Louis Cardinals Jersey, which, that might be one of the coolest uniforms in sports. Absolutely. And, uh, birds on the bat. Yep. Oh, birds on the bat, man. It's just the coolest. Um, but, yeah, I mean, money-wise, well-deserved. I think he's going to be a, a, a solid two in that rotation for at least a year or two. And maybe they shift him into a into a three if he's, you know, if age is catching up with him. But his repertoire and what he brings to the table – I don't see much of a fall off. I think it's going to be a good deal for everybody. Um I want him to to be that $25 million guy and you know stay in the upper crust of the uh, uh, of the league. Um just cuz I'm a Sonny Gray fan, but you know, I guess we'll see how that cookie crumbles. I think the Kent to de my deal who um, another guy was with Minnesota. I'm sure you got a great look at him yeah. now in Detroit uh, two years front loaded. He got 14 million next year, 10 million and 25. Um, here's a guy who had a little bit of trouble staying healthy, but you know, when he found his groove, he, he was really that guy again, right?
1: Yeah. He came back from Tommy John this year and, uh, and worked really hard to do it and, um, Probably would have been ready last year, late in the year, if uh, if they wanted to do it then. But um, really took the full amount of time, a year plus. I think he was out for 16 months or 18 months um, between his surgery and, and then pitching again. But, you know, during the COVID season, runner up for the Cy Young. This is a guy that has had a lot of success um was used extensively in a bullpen role by the Dodgers and then uh the twins gave him an opportunity to start um uh, he's uh he, he seems like a great clubhouse guy his celebrations this year were awesome he was a madman um and yeah I, I think he's uh he's definitely aging um and, and it's nice for him to get another contract. It's crazy to think of it, uh, about it now, but um, when he came over from uh, from Japan, he signed an eight-year, $25 million contract with the Dodgers. So he's really been underpaid most of this time. And so for him to get this two-year, $24 million, even if it's um, incentive-laden, is awesome. I- I'm happy that he's getting uh, a- another payday.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think it's going to be um... – Good for Detroit. I I think they have a nice foundation growing there. I think they have a nice culture growing there. Um, (laughs) You know, maybe Baez was not the best signing to pull things together, but um, I think the growth is, you know, it's noticeable, at least outside looking in. Um, And just got to hope that, you know, these young players who, I don't want to say highly touted, but, you know, guys like Torkelson, who could certainly turn into a very good player, nice pitching staff, Scooble, Mize, um, Mize, uh, Matt Manning, who could be a very, very nice pitcher. I mean, you know, there's a nice foundation there. And I, you know, hopefully he'll lead that group into, you know, being major league, being a major league rotation. And even if it's just for a couple of years, that sort of veteran leadership hopefully will translate. Or at least trickle down to the rest of a very, very young rotation. Um, so we're looking at the money here. Of course, Maeda. I think that was pardon the wording, right on the money, but it was it was. I mean, you know, you're gonna give him 14 million this year, 10 million next year, and I'm sure if he pitches well, he could probably parlay that into another one year deal if he's still willing to go that far. Sonny Gray, um, you know, thirty-four going into his age thirty-five season, got twenty-five million a year to be, you know, pretty much a a two, maybe a three, two-three type guy. We'll see how it kind of pans out. But I, you know, I don't want to shift gears too hard. But looking at what guys are getting now, price-wise, um, you know, putting Shohei Otani aside for a second. If you're looking at starting pitching, I think the unquestioned gem of the offseason is going to be um, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if Sonny Gray's getting $25 million a year, you know, you look at Yamamoto and what he brings to the table and his age, he's only 25 years old and, you know... <laughs> Over his last ninety four starts, which is since the start of twenty twenty in the Japan uh, Pacific League, he's got a one point five six ERA, zero point eight nine WHIP, and he's allowed twenty two home runs, seven hundred thirty six strikeouts over six hundred eighty four innings. Um, if Sonny Gray is getting twenty five million over three, you know, I think that these early projections of Yamamoto hitting 7200 200 mighty e- <laughs> might actually be low. Um, whether it's the Mets, whether it's just someone who wants to get Yamamoto in. And that would be, you know, with just cause. Do you see things getting out of hand? I mean, I've been watching highlight videos for the past week or so, and I am smitten. You don't see guys who can locate, mid to high 90s fastballs wherever, and it comes out of their hand like a freaking cannon. Um, Like That's a heavy, heavy fastball. He puts it wherever he wants it. A splitter that bites. A curveball that is so well developed and and tunnels so well with his fastball and splitter. I I think this guy could be next level. Um, I know the Mets are I don't want to say shying away because we don't know if they're shying away from spending money, but you have to assume unless they're going for something real big, they're probably not peddled to the metal like they were last offseason. If things no, get I, busy, Yamamoto's up near 250 over eight, 240 over eight. Let's, you know, peg pencil that in. Do you see them being in that mix just to get a talent of Yamamoto's ilk?
1: Yeah, I, I do because I think that they need to bring in high level starting pitching. You basically traded your two aces last year, mm-hmm. and I know that they'll um, that they'll have Sanga locked in this year. We know that he was great last year, um, but otherwise, uh, the only names I've really seen are, are uh, that they're interested in Jordan Montgomery as well. So. I, I think that they they will need to um, make a, a a bigger signing somebody to to really anchor the rotation with uh, Senga, and I think Yamamoto is a, a great fit. Um, MLB Trade Rumors has the projected contract at nine years for two twenty five. So
0: nine two twenty five. See, I think he gets lower years and higher AAV. I honestly do. Yeah, like five one eighty five. Oh, I'm thinking eight forty thirty 30 a year for eight years. Yeah. I, I, I mean, think, I think he's honestly, I mean, and again, I might just be buying into the hype, but watching his stuff, watching his demeanor, watching his poise, watching that freaking fastball, dude, the thing just barrels. It's like a bowling ball. It, it, he's disgusting. And I think I don't want to pull a quote because I think someone actually used that. It was like a an anonymous player. And he said, and I quote: He's disgusting, but he really is, man. I I would open up the checkbook for him. I really yeah, I would. I, I, I I would
1: right, like if if this guy were, um, if he had pitched stateside since he was nineteen and was entering free agency going into his age twenty five season, like he is here, uh, I I don't think there would be any question about that amount of money. You know, this is this is a guy that um despite his kind of he's like a smaller slider guy he he projects to be a stud that you can plug in at the top of your rotation so um i i think he's uh, would be a great fit for the mets and i hope that they are into it i i think that the i've seen that the giants are mentioned as a as a possible suitor
0: that makes perfect sense to me yeah
1: but um there is that connection with Senga, so i i hope that um that he's doing some good recruiting and that he'll uh, he'll bring us yamamoto this winter
0: oh my goodness uh like i am it, it's i don't get too wrapped up in what might happen and that's baseball that's in general but man oh i am i i've fallen down the rabbit hole i am just absolutely smitten with yamamoto um you've been hearing some trade talk floating around uh, I believe John Morosi had uh, Shane Bieber and Tyler Glasnow being linked to. Um, I, I believe the Cubs and the and the Reds had 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 their hats in the mix. Come, some other teams, unnamed. <clears throat> Dylan Cease, we've heard his name thrown around. I believe um, the Braves were in that mix. I believe the Dodgers were in that mix. We've seen the Mets under previous regimes. Um, not you know general manager wise. Uh, shy away from moving prospects. Do you see them going towards a trade if a, if a now is is still on the board and seems reasonable price wise? I mean, he's set to make twenty five million, I believe, this year. Um, injury history is well documented. Peaks are ridiculous. He's a Cy Young level guy when he's right, but you know. You could say the same thing about Cease. When he's right, he is one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, well, one of the best four seams in baseball, I should say, as long as his stuff works with it. I mean, the Mets can go in so many different routes. They can go these trade routes and you know, and, and pay in and trade capital and, 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 go, and go that way. They can go, okay, well, let's make a real push at Yamamoto. Let's, knock on wood, make a real push at Otani, which – you know, that's just a pipe dream in my mind. If they can really, really get him in here and, and pitch him, awesome. But, um, you know, I think he's just going to choose where he wants to go and he's going to go where he wants to go. I, I'm actually more interested in looking at these this, this the, the crop of free agent starting pitchers that are out there right now. Like, I, I want to see what. Jack Flaherty might look like on if he's willing to accept a minor league deal. Is he injured? No, he's just finished out really weak in Baltimore. Right. Did he even get hurt. Did he? Yeah.
1: I was surprised that they weren't able to get more out of him when he got traded there. I was like, Oh, like the Orioles are going to fix him and ride him through October. And it just didn't happen. It didn't.
0: I dude, I, I look, I want to see what Vince Velasquez might look like in a, with a, with a minor league deal attached to him, even a little bit of commitment to him. Um, I'd love to see what a guy like I don't know James Caprillion, who very very high pedigree guy coming into the league hasn't really figured it out yet, but you know someone who can certainly figure it out. You you almost know that that, that it's there. That someone just got to kind of unlock it. And you know keeping Hefner around, filling out the analytics department, filling out the R and D department, I think it's going to give this team a lot more upside. To going and trying to find a, you know, I'm I'm looking through the list like, you know, shoot, Chris Valamont. I believe he was a twins farmhand. I'm not sure where he's coming from now, but, you know, these are guys who all had some sort of pedigree to them, some sort of buzz to them who, you know, you find them in the right spot you get something to work right for him And you might get a lot like, you know, this isn't the Mets of old where you're looking at, Oh, you know, we got to go bargain, bargain hunting. And we got, but it's still, I think the same tenet should still apply where you're trying to get the most out of a roster. And if, you know, if you got to pop around and say, Hey, you know what, let's see what Braylon Marquez can do. Let's see what, let's see what Shota, um, uh, I hope I don't butcher his name. Shota, Shota Imanaga. Imanaga. Shota Imanaga. Shota Imanaga. I, I know nothing about him. I watched a little bit of video today. Lefty. He's like a crafty dude.
1: Yeah. Lefty just recently posted. He was really good for the base stars. And uh, That's he's where
0: only former MLB else. pitcher was last year, right? What? That's where that former MLB pitcher was last year? Yeah. That yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> where, where, where was Eric Fetty? Was Eric Fetty there also? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, he might have been in Korea, but he had like an unbelievable year.
1: He was with the Dinos.
0: In, oh, okay, um, all right. In KBO.
1: But um, yeah, I, I mean, the idea of like three Japanese aces too is, <laughs> is really, really cool. I, and and I think that really gives them, that's a great opportunity to expand uh, even further into that market. I mean, there was a ton of publicity for, uh, for uh, Kodai Senga last year. And I, I think that that could even be greater this year, yeah. um, including maybe, you know, playing a, playing a game over there, playing a series over there. I, I always love when they do
0: stuff like that. So um, yeah, he's a guy that I would love. 5 a.m. Baseball, sign me up. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um- um, any interest in taking a flyer? Well, it would, it would be more than a flyer, most likely. But uh, Lucas Chialito. Uh
1: Yeah, I mean, we were fine with them doing that at uh, waivers last year. But, uh, yeah, I, I have no problem with that. I still think that he's young enough that, that maybe you can fix him. But I think it's a good point that you're making. Not every signing has to be. The, the big flashy signing. I, it, it's nice to have at least like one of those uh, a winter, I think, but but you don't necessarily need that. Um, think about how important um, uh, turning Jake Arietta into like Cy Young level was for those Cubs. You know, they, they made the one signing with Lester, but otherwise really developed the rest of that rotation that did bring them a championship and, and another uh, two NLCS appearances. So um, I, I think that it's doable. I think that it's really important to have the player development system to do it. Uh, I would probably shy away from now. I know that he's excellent, um, but he just doesn't throw a ton of innings. I, and um, not that you need to go out there and, and, throw 200 plus every year but um i i think that he has like a pretty significant injury history and it would only be for one year that you would have him right and and 25 million dollars for this year and who knows if he's going to be able to stay healthy beyond that uh who knows if he would be here uh if, so I'm, if I, I'm
0: trading on hope i'm trading for juan soto but that's for another episode <laughs> right and and so I worry about
1: that for Glass now and for Bieber. Bieber's um, a guy who's been on the other side of it, where he has thrown a good number of innings, but last year was really broken down and uh, and wasn't able to to be there for the Guardians. So um, I I would probably shy away from both of those guys, but um, especially because they're going to cost a significant amount of capital. I don't think that you're going to Get some big discount. Yeah. Um,
0: so he might be able to work something out, like especially at Glass now, where the injuries has been uh, a hindrance for him. But yeah, it's going to be tough.
1: Yeah,
0: um, that sort of buzz at least.
1: So, what domino do you think is going to fall that is going to really kick things off? Because I thought when Nola signed, that then we were going to see a bunch of bunch more movement. Do you think that everything is waiting on these trades
0: to be made? Um, No, I actually think that one of, uh, I think Otani's probably going to be later in the in the winter. I think Yamamoto goes soon, and I think that kind of sets the market. I, I dude, I, I think that he, he's unlike anything else that we're going to see on the market this year. And of course, Otani's a very special case as well. But yeah, I think it's going to be Yamamoto, and everything else will kind of fall into place and. Some teams are gonna be scared off by where this might go, I think, price wise, as far as where the market might go. But especially with the
1: issues with TV money.
0: Yeah. Oh, he's gonna oh, that that they're gonna get it, man. MLB Advanced Media, whatever it is now, that's still paying out. I think they're gonna be fine. We're running out of time. I wanna talk about the Queens Baseball Convention. Um This Saturday, it's at the Sheraton Four Points in Flushing. Same spot as last fall. Uh, Mark Healy was kind enough to invite me back to the State of the Mets panel. Doors open at 10 a.m. I believe we're first, 10.30 a.m. You got Billy Wagner showing up, Cliff Floyd, Terry Collins. Our boy John Sapinaro is doing a panel. Our friend Lori Rubinson is doing a panel. Uh, John Franco signing autographs. Come on down. Tickets at the door. Um, Taryn, we're gonna be back next week, I assume and uh, I'm so? hoping to get some audio clips and everything. I'm thinking we're gonna have a real nice show next week.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping to. uh we'll we'll definitely uh keep trying to do this more regularly um yeah, but glad to be back with you today, Tim.
0: Same here, man. Awesome. awesome. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. let's fucking go muts, go muts, go Mets, <laughs> as always and uh we'll see you guys next time. Peace.